Hello, and welcome to the Man of Class podcast. You're listening to episode number 14. Today, we're going to talk about diversity and toxic work experience. Every day, the world tolerates less and less of traditional masculine behavior, which has driven a new standard for men to be successful. How does one evolve so that they can win in today's world? Enter Man of Class, a place to empower men to break down traditional masculinity and build the necessary skill sets, mindset, and confidence to become the men that society desperately needs. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome back. In this episode, I'm going to cover how toxic work experience can be to you if you let it, and not only what diversity means, but how powerful it can be if used correctly. I'm also going to cover a simple three-step process that you can use to go from uniformity or more of a single point of view to a more diverse perspective instantly that you can use at any point. So let's first start with how toxic work experience can be to you. So we've all been in situations where somebody has been around for you know a number of years, could be as simple as a couple or could be as many as 30. And <clears throat> you try to do something new, it's a new idea, new perspective, um, new, you know, new product, service, whatever that it may be, and you always hear the same type of thing. You know, we've tried that before and it didn't work. Um, you know, that's not how we do things. That's, how, that's never how we've done things. Nobody has ever done it that way, therefore it will never work. And it goes beyond legacy experience, so we're never going to do that. And the toxic thing with this, and it's toxic in a couple different ways. I'm going to explain each one as I go. Um, because it, it can be toxic not only to you know, yourself, it can be toxic to your coworkers, and it can be toxic to your leadership and or toxic to the company that you either have built or um, toxic to the company that you're working for. And so one of the metaphors that I like to use in these types of scenarios is it's like you know, the, the, the mindset of you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. A lot of times when we say, oh, you know, we've tried that before, doesn't work, um, that'll never work. No one's ever done that before. It's out of our legacy experience. What they're doing is they're literally throwing away the baby with the bathwater. And, you know, so obviously don't do that, um, especially af- after having uh, <laughs> a baby girl this year. You know, definitely don't do that. But it's what I mean by that is just because it didn't work in the past doesn't mean that it's not going to work now. It just needs a different approach. And so that's where. You know, the metaphor is always obviously, you know, just throw the bathwater out, the dirty bathwater, don't throw the baby out with it. But um, I digress. So, but what that, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to get across here is that just because it didn't work in the past doesn't mean that it's not going to work now. It just needs a different approach. It just needs a different team. It just needs a different technology. It just needs a different um, integration. It just needs a different communication. It just needs a different branding, whatever that it may be. It just needs a slight tweak. And so, you know, again, a story that always comes up for, for this is the limiting belief around the four-minute mile. Back in 1954 and before, it was never thought of that you could ever break the four-minute mile, meaning if you were to ever run a mile less than four minutes, people would think that you, you, know, you would just explode or you just physically couldn't ever break that barrier. And Roger, obviously Roger Bannister came along in 1954 and said, nope, I'm going to change that. And he ran it in three hours and 59 minutes and like 40 seconds or something, thus proving it's possible. When he changed that, when he, and, you know, and what he did is he had a different belief structure, obviously, because he believed that he could do it. But then immediately what happened after that? 
all of a sudden all the naysayers of saying that we could never do that, right? That's not what the human body was built for. You know, we've never, nobody's ever done it before. No one will ever do it. And before you know it, all of a sudden, now multiple people. And, and now it's even so, so much so that the top 10 fastest marathon races that are running basically four minute miles for 26.2 miles. So it's not even just like Roger where he ran one mile right at four minutes or under four minutes. It's these guys are running 26 miles consistently at a four minute pace. And so it just blows your mind out of the water. And actually, uh, Yuliad just ran in Vienna this year under a two hour marathon, which again was another big thing where everyone's like, oh, you know, you can't, you can't run a marathon in less than two hours. My guess is because that, was, that, that broke this year, that within the next five years, you're going to see a whole new top 10 um, records being under two hours, and we're going to start getting even faster as people you know, learn different nutrition techniques, different stretches, different stamina, uh, exercises, muscles, you know, whatever, whatever combination or whatever is required and or the mindset in order to get you to that point is what's required in order to break through. And so just the same as in 1954 is it's true today. It just requires a different approach to get you the result that you're looking for. So, <clears throat> excuse me, when you go through and talk about, you know, how toxic something can be, um, from a work experience, it can, it can really harm people in a lot of different ways. I'll first start with talking about how harmful, how harmful it can be to yourself. What do I mean by that? What I mean is whenever something came up, let's say that, that you were to, you know, your job was to redesign something or your job was to take something into service, uh, take it out to market and, and sell it, and it just fell on its face. It may not have been the product. It may not have been the service. It may not have been whatever it was that you're trying to do that was the fault, it was your approach. But a lot of times when you bring that back up, you bring back the wounds that you endured at that time. And so it wasn't even just the fact that it didn't work, it's that you're reliving that story over and over and over and over again. And an interesting study that has been done um, on Olympic athletes is where they monitor their brain and their emotional response to, you know, they, they did a back-to-back test. So the first test was when they actually ran a race. So they had, um, um, they, you know, they had guys and girls run around and, and actually run an Olympic race. And so they, you know, their body let out certain emotions, certain hormones, and then they had them do, you know, the, the side of that, the next test was to go through and think through exactly you know, every last little detail of that race. Um, and what they did is when they measured the responses and overlaid them on top of each other, they were the exact same, which then meant that whether you actually experience something or you go through the thought experiment of an event actually happening, your body feels the same thing. So meant in a different way as far as... Um, you know, whether you perceived that you lost the race or whether you actually lost the, lost the race, you feel the same thing. <clears throat> Your body undergoes the same hormonal changes, um, everything, you know, there's no difference between reality. So that's, I guess that's where I'm trying to say is that, the, that basically reality doesn't have to, it doesn't have to happen in order for you to 
experience it. You can experience it, and we experience this every single day around our thoughts, which is why I harp so much on whatever it is that you think is what you believe and is going to be the, the, what actually happens in your life. And so, again, for them when they were going through the study, it was if they believed that they were, um, and actually a lot of top athletes, Michael Phelps does this, uh, there was a story around Michael Phelps where because his training <clears throat> is he goes through, listens to the same song, does the same routine every single time, and, and almost like memorizes him winning the race. Every single stroke, every single breath, what does it look like, what does it feel like, the water temperature, everything. And he was going through a race and something happened like water filled up his goggles so he had no vision. And he went through and just continuously finished the race and actually won. And later, everyone's like, you know, what, what happened to your goggles? He's like, I had water come in. Everyone's like, oh, my God, like, didn't that throw you off your game? Like, didn't, you know, how, how did you finish the race? And he said, well, I, I've done this race hundreds of times in my mind. So I just did what I would always do. I just, I kept, you know, I knew how many different strokes it was going to take. I knew how many different breaths it was going to take before I ran into the wall and I just knew what that was and it was just a routine it was a habit and so in that instance it's you know that is your thoughts are giving you the the action and so to tie that back to you know when you're saying oh that doesn't work or that'll never work if you're reliving that painful event of when you did something and, and perceived yourself as failing at it you're hurting yourself every single step of the way every single time that you revisit that and you perceive that as you know um, something negative that's impacting you and that's toxic that's that is toxin you know that goes back to the previous episode that's the cortisol that's the stress hormones that are happening in your body every single step of the way every time that you you know relive it now it's harmful to your company whether it's your company or whether it's a company that you work for because that's stifling creativity stifling ideas stifling innovation because if you have to, if you do the things that you've always done, then you'll get the results that you always have gotten. And so that's extremely important, especially in the world today, because the world is ever changing. We go through, you know, things that are things that were important five years ago are no longer important today. You know, the same strategies it takes to win in business today aren't the same strategies used ten years ago. And so stifling creativity and, and stifling that will in the long term hurt the company more than trying to protect it from making a mistake. Um, that's why Elon is, you know, mistakes will happen. You just, just march through, you know, try to try to get to mistakes as quickly as possible because the quicker you can get to a mistake, the quicker you can learn what caused that mistake to actually happen versus the desired outcome. And then you can actually move forward and re, you know, change your approach and move forward. You know, tweak, tweak your approach and move forward. Constantly just adapt and change, adapt and change. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a big piece. That's a big winning mindset piece um, that can kind of help differentiate the people who are going to be successful in going out there and winning in the marketplace versus people who are going to focus on all the negatives and all the reasons why something won't work. And it's also hurtful to, you know, your team and your coworkers because, A, the creativity piece, but then, B, if you're always the person that is shooting down ideas, then you're not going to be the person that people want to go to. 
And if you're on a team, people aren't going to be able to actually share their ideas, which means a company suffers, but then also your team members suffer because they can't actually be there. They can't be themselves. They can't bring their best authentic self out into the workplace. And more and more, that's why diversity is such a big hot button right now, diversity and inclusion and all of these things because people are realizing that we are stronger as a team than we are as an individual. And it means the team is only as strong as how open and authentic that they feel they can be. And so stifling and hurting ideas because it's just a generality of like that will never work is crushing the team. It's crushing the team's success. It's preventing them from being successful versus it may not have worked. It didn't work in the past because of the approach. If we tried a different approach, we probably would have been successful. We may not have, you know, we may have, may have run out of money. It may have been too expensive. Uh, the technology wasn't there. Um, that sub, you know, the communication to the market wasn't as great as it is today. There's so many things that are true today that were not true 10, 5, you know, 5, 10, 15, 30 years ago. And so, you know, that kind of leads us into uh, the power of diversity. So I, I kind of briefly talked on it, but diversity is such a booming word right now. And I, th- I feel like in the marketplace, there's a lot of people either perceive it as great, people are tired of the word, or people are just having animosity towards the word. And so, I mean, I have to say diversity is, it's being used a lot, but I feel like it's how you use diversity is really the way that you can unlock true success. And I say that because, um, you know, a lot of companies right now are seeking youth on the teams, again, a different perspective because they realize markets are changing and the marketplace is also changing. A lot of younger generations are the consumers, are the ones where the money is being spent. And so trying to appeal to the younger generation is very important. And so within the workplace, we need the younger workers to kind of help understand what is going on. How do we basically serve the needs of our customer base so that we can continue to make money? And so it's a very interesting story, actually. I was talking to um, a co-op and a placement advisor um, just the other day. And many companies are struggling with millennials and seeing the different perspectives because they're just stuck in this, this thing of like, well, this is the way that we've always done business, and so this is the way that we always have to do it, and they don't, they're not meshing right. They're not this, they're not that. And a lot of times you know, the advice that the advisor gives back to these companies are, how well have you opened your arms? Are you casting stones to the, the workers and you're, you know, tarnishing the millennial generation and all this, when in reality, how open have you been? You can't fault somebody for not being a good fit if you've never given them an opportunity or a chance to be themselves, which will probably be a future podcast, so stay tuned for that. But, I mean, this is this is a big epidemic. I say epidemic because this is, this is truly going to set the stage for the companies that are going to be the, win, the ones that win in the 2020s and the companies that are not going to win, the companies that are going to start to close their doors. Because, you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, we've been on this 10-year boom from 08, 09 to 
um, right now has been 10 years of, of success, of booming, of, of growth, massive, massive expansion. If we hit a recession, it's going to be, it's going to require even more tenacity, even more, um, you know, making sure that the, that the skills and everything else in order to, to keep businesses alive is going to be there. And keeping businesses alive, funds, you know, is, is solely built on innovation and adaptability. And so, especially as we go into, if we do go into a recession, it's going to be critical that we get this right, that leaders get this right, that workers get this right, that everybody starts to understand what diversity really is. And in my interpretation, diversity is balance. It's the, it's the simple of balance. Instead of having everybody in the room in their 50s, have people in there from the 50, you know, that are 50s, 40s, 30s, and 20s, getting that breadth of, of experience, getting the, you know, the different genders, getting men, getting, you know, women, uh, different ethnic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, because that's always going to be the winning piece. And so to help you and yourself in a lot of this, because um, a lot of times with just getting you know, sitting with yourself, you know, a lot of times you say, well, how can I, how can I expand my own horizons? You know, I feel like I just fall into this trap all the time of this is the way, you know, this is the way that I've done it. And so this is the way that I'm going, always going to act. How do I break out of that? Um, it's especially hard for people to do something that they've never done before. And so it's even harder when you don't really know where or how to go about it. And so that's why I, re I really stand behind these three simple steps uh, to kind of give you a helping hand when you have an idea that you're against, that someone's talking about, you could be in a review, you could be just having a conversation one-on-one, -on -one, you could be within a large room, it doesn't matter, but the important thing is that you gain uh, perspective to basically go from a uniformity or like a singular point of view, which is what your point of view is, um, to be more open to a diverse perspective. Like how can you look at it differently? And so number one is if you're against the idea that's being talked about, what specific detail are you against and for what reason? You could be against, um, you know, I'll take an iPhone app or something like that. You could be against, you know, instead of saying that the code was written in a certain way, you could be against, you know, something very minute and specific that could have credulence, could not have credulence, but at least understanding what that is instead of just, again, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, um, you know, this, this whole idea is stupid. We've never done it that way. I don't ever want to do it that way. Um, there could be a lot of power in doing it a different way. Number two is what is different today that could enable that to be successful? And so <clears throat> instead of looking at it through the lens of what is wrong with it, look at it through the lens of what's right about it. What do we have at our fingertips today that can make it successful? It may not have been successful in the 90s. It may not have been successful in the early 2000s. Doesn't mean that it's not gonna be successful in the 2020s. And so I think that's a big piece, a big powerful question. You are the questions that you ask. That's a big powerful question to ask yourself. What is it that we've got today that we can make it successful? And then, and then number three, which is probably the most powerful, is how can I best support this idea or person to achieve their end result? Because too many times, we view it as if I'm a reviewer for something, you know, how can I, 
you know, how can I crap all over it? How can I tell them what's wrong with it? And that's not necessarily helpful because if you tell them what's wrong with it, <laughs> they're just going to become discouraged and say, I'm not going to give my best and I'm not going to be as tenacious and ambitious in order to go get this thing done, right? So how can you be, how can you best support them? How can you help them maybe make a connection? Uh, how can you maybe connect an idea so that you take the idea that they've got and you may bring a little experience and say, hey, we can do it and I, and I know how to get it done even faster. Again, coming from a place of service as opposed to a place of objection. So hopefully those, those three things, those three steps uh, can help you the next time that you're in a meeting or even just talking one-on-one and just take a quick, you know, a quick break <clears throat> just say, if I'm against the idea, what is it that I'm specifically against? You know, how is today's world different so that it can be successful? And number three, how can I best support this idea or person? How can I be of service in this, in this moment? And so it's, it, it, it's interesting because how you can best help support is a big mindset shift. But I can say in, you know, when you think through a lens of diversity, it helps to bring about a lot of opportunity. And so one of the best stories I've got for, for diversity is I was at a leadership retreat once and, uh, and we had this one exercise. It was like to simulate running your own company. And <clears throat> all the teams were kind of pre-done you know, pre or whatever. And it was very interesting because the team that I was on was different than the other teams. And one of the major differences that I noticed was that we actually had a ton of diversity. Like, I don't know, it was, I don't know if it was done that way on purpose or if that was done by chance, but um, we just had a, a bunch of diversity. We had people from Ireland, we had people from Africa, we had people from the United States, we, you know, people from India. Um, we had both men and women on the team. We had a wide range of ages. We had people in their 20s and we had people that were in their late 40s, early 50s. And we actually won the competition by a landslide and it was very... It was very moving because I remember being in that moment um, and I was talking to one of the guys afterwards and I said, you know, I was so skeptical, skeptical coming in and doing, you know, the different exercises or whatever that, that they were going to have us do. I said, but this team is a rock star. I said, we're, you know, we're unstoppable. I, it, it's, there's nothing that every single monkey wrench that came into the picture, somebody was able to adapt and bring a different perspective. And we wouldn't have been successful if we didn't have every single person there. And it was just, it was really, really eye-opening because I was like, this, this is the true embodiment of diversity. It was a balance. You know, you had people, and it was, you know, it wasn't even just, okay, all the different backgrounds of men, women, different countries, um, different age groups, like that's some of it. But some of it is as simple as like even going to the Myers-Briggs, having some people that were very extroverted, some people that were very introverted, you know, there's, there's just that balance that, that you seek within a team. And the, the teams that have thrived the best that I've been on were ones that were balanced, that had some type of balance within that team. And it wasn't just a whole bunch of 20-year-olds doing something or a whole bunch of 30-year-olds doing something. It was, it was truly having a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds um, and allowing each of their voices to be heard. That was also a piece of it. <clears throat> one of the, I'm sure probably the biggest piece was not only having the people at the table, but listening to every single person and what they had to say and treating them like a human instead of just somebody. And so, <clears throat> you know, as I wrap this up, it's, 
I just want to leave everybody with, with an exercise. And the exercise is, is simple. Just take notice throughout the next seven days where you tend to prematurely shut ideas down. And that can, and that can be anywhere. I, I, I speak specifically within business, but this can truly be anywhere. This could be in your marriage. This could be with conversations with your kids. It could be conversations with your friends. Um, you know, this, this can literally be anywhere. But where, where do you take notice throughout the next seven days where you tend to just prematurely shut ideas down? And then use these three simple steps to diversify your perspective. You know, again, just, just to, to highlight, if I'm against this idea, what specific, like what specifically am I against and why? Why am I against it? Is this a pride thing? Is this an ego thing? Um, many times the ego tries to protect us, and so it, double down, it doubles down on, you know, if, if we're wrong instead of just admitting and saying, yep, yeah, I was wrong there, it doubles down and says, no, 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 I was right. You know, and it's, it's, a, it's a fight to the death. So number one, you know, if I'm against this idea, what specifically am I against and for what reason? Two, what is, the, what is different today that could enable that to be successful? And number three, how can I best support this person or idea? What is it that I'm really trying to get out of this conversation? Because if the conversation is to make something successful, then I'm not going to try to poo-poo all over it. I'm going to try to find ways to make it successful. And if that's the purpose of the meeting, if that's the purpose of the conversation, if that's the purpose of the interaction, then you'll make it so. And so, you know, with, with that being said, um, if you have moments throughout this week and you want to share, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, feel free to tag me on social media at Eric Yusko, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or send me an email, eric.yusko at manaclass.com. And I'd love to hear about them because I thrive on knowing that people are making a difference, people um, helping to make teams successful, make businesses successful, uh, finding success in their own lives because at the end of the day, everybody's happiness and success is, I think, part of this whole human experience. And just, just like I was talking about in the intro as far as uh, helping men be successful today, this is a key staple. This is a very important piece to it that I think men need to, you know, men tend to, again, double down on, you know, well, this is the way that we've always done it, and this is the way that I've done it, and this is how I, you know, this is how I was successful. Because a lot of, a lot of leaders, <clears throat> this is actually interesting, so a, a little side story, but a lot of leaders, when they, you know, they're, they're fearful of, of getting, you know, they want authority, they want power, they want uh, influence, and then they get it, and then there's this massive fear of like, well, I have to do exactly everything that I did before or else I'm going to lose it. And that's not the case. The case is what do I need to do differently so that I can get to even the next level to be an even better leader than I was yesterday. But too many times we just think in this closed off, you know, the closed off piece and we try to, to protect and kind of um, keep from losing what we already have. And if you come from a contraction versus an expansion mindset, you'll lose 100% of the time. May not in one day, but indefinitely is, is a very fast path to losing. So I'll end it there. Um, hopefully this was helpful. If you have any comments, I would love to get some reviews on the podcast. So if you're listening, you've listened to a couple episodes, um, please leave a comment, tell people what you think. And if you've got any room for improvement, by all means, please tell me. So until next time, have a great rest of your day.